asked if he could come over and sleep on my couch. After the party, he said, he immediately started a horrible fight with his wife and had threatened to kill her, slamming his fist into the bathroom mirror and shattering it. Then, fortunately, he had left the house. He told me he had realized that if he didn't leave right then, he would kill her. Perhaps the most remarkable part of the story is that his wife moved out of their house that night and went into hiding. Eventually she divorced him, and they have never seen each other again since the night of that party. I was shocked that a marriage that I knew to be founded on genuine love between two exceptionally intelligent, thoughtful, and successful people had ended that way, and that a close friend of mine might well have become a murderer. One thing my subsequent study of murder has taught me is that his wife recognized something that all too many of us don't quite fully appreciate, that we must be alert to the deeply ingrained capacity for murder that lurks inside us all, even those whom we love and who love us. When her husband went into a murderous rage, she understood with exquisite awareness that she was in mortal danger. If her reaction seems overdone, and her flight out of town and filing for divorce without ever seeing her husband again seem extreme, then consider the story of Sheila Belush, the ex-wife of Texas multimillionaire Alan Blackthorne. Blackthorne was, as news accounts said, a man who had everything. He'd made a fortune in the medical equipment business. He was handsome, and he had married again after he and Sheila Belush divorced, his fourth marriage, to a beautiful woman with whom he had two children. Sheila had also remarried to Jamie Belush, but she was haunted by an intense fear that Blackthorne might try to kill her. Their divorce had been nasty, and she had won custody of their two daughters in a horrible battle. For years he had continued to harass her, even after his remarriage. She even told her sister, If anything ever happens to me, promise me that you will see that there is an investigation. And find Anne Rule and ask her to write my story. So afraid did she become that one night she gathered up her family, her two daughters by Blackthorn, and quadruplets she had by her new husband, and fled from her home in San Antonio. They moved to Sarasota, Florida and Sheila was so afraid that she didn't even give her own sister her new address. With all that distance between her and Alan Blackthorne, Sheila finally began to feel safe. It was a fatal mistake. Within months, she was murdered at her home in the middle of the day, and her quadruplet babies were found crying and covered with their mother's blood. Sheila's thirteen-year-old daughter discovered her mother dead in the kitchen her face shot, and her throat slit. When the daughter was asked by the police, Do you know who might have done this? She replied, Yes, I know who did it. But he didn't do it himself. He probably hired someone to do it. Who? My father did it. My father, Alan Blackthorne. Alan Blackthorne now makes his home in the state prison in Huntsville, Texas. 
He was convicted of hiring a young thug to drive the 1,400 miles from Austin to Sarasota to murder his ex-wife. According to the Star-Telegram, on May 3, 2002, a federal appeals court upheld Blackthorne's conviction for his role in arranging the killing. Anne Rule actually did write a book about the murder, titled, Every Breath You Take. When people sense that they are in mortal danger, their intuitions are probably quite good. But those we might least expect to become murderers may well be capable of killing under certain circumstances. Alan Blackthorne had a history of abuse and had been harassing his ex-wife, factors that weighed heavily on the jury's decision to convict him. Some husbands who kill their wives, however, do not exhibit any prior indications that they will murder. My friend's rage that night at the party made a profound impression on me, and my puzzlement about why he would have become so intent on murdering his wife set me on the road to investigating the deep psychology of murder. Until I sensed so palpably that someone I knew well and respected, someone whose judgment, good sense, and thoughtfulness I had come to rely on, was perfectly capable of committing a violent murder, I had thought of murderers as a special type, people given to violence in general, people conditioned to violence because of their upbringing, or hardened criminals, and at the extreme, psychopaths. Only crazy or desperate people think about committing murder, I had thought, or people brought up in subcultures of violence that have desensitized them to violent acts. Certainly, normal, educated, successful people, like my friend, don't seriously consider becoming killers. So I was left wondering, what could have produced the homicidal rage I had seen in my friend? The anger I could understand perfectly well, but the murderous intent seemed to indicate deeper psychological processes at work. I also wondered why, even though I had never witnessed murderous fury before in my life, I had felt so keenly that I myself might have been in danger that night. The cases of cold-blooded contract killers, or those who murder in the midst of committing a crime, aren't so puzzling. These people kill for money or to eliminate a witness to a crime. So many other kinds of murder, however, seem baffling. We struggle to comprehend how a young pregnant woman can go to her high school prom, give birth in the bathroom, stuff the newborn into the trash, and return to her date at the dance. We are horrified when a spurned man refuses to accept that his lover is leaving him, slashes the tires on her car, and leaves her body in a bloody pool. We are stunned when, en masse, Serbs rape and slaughter Albanians, and as soon as the tables are turned, Albanians rape and kill Serbs in revenge. And we are mystified by what must surely be the seething evil that motivates terrorists to sacrifice their lives so readily in order to kill for the glory of God. People are mesmerized by murder. It commands our attention like no other human phenomenon. After studying murder extensively, 
I believe the reason for the fascination we feel is that we are imbued with a deep intuition born of a long history. No matter how alien, unbelievable, and extreme the cases of murder we hear about may seem, the impulse to murder is a part of us. The inclination to murder emanates from our deep, unconscious psychological mechanisms. Our fascination with it makes perfect sense. It's a good survival strategy. We must pay close attention to the parts of human nature that may one day threaten our own lives. Some experts who have studied violent behavior, especially those concerned with violence by children, have put forth the argument that the rampant violence portrayed in movies and on TV has made us more violent and pushes some people over the edge into murder. They caution that children's repeated exposure to Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator or Bruce Willis in Die Hard warps them. Some are convinced that the consumption of sadistic pornography compels the night stalkers and hillside stranglers of the world. Others stress the roles of poverty, drugs, and subcultures of violence. I am convinced that none of these arguments is adequate or gets at the real underlying motivations behind the vast majority of murders. My investigations demonstrate that every one of these widely held beliefs is wrong, dead wrong. To understand why, we must journey into the depths of the murdering mind, and we'll discover that there is a fundamental logic to murder, ruthless but rational and that it resides not only in the minds of people who actually become murderers, but in the minds of all of us. Seven years ago, I taught a seminar on human nature that included a session on murder.